What's up everybody? Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Alex and this is Megan. We get to serve here as the youth directors and we are in week two of our seven dimensions of discipleship series where we are talking about what it takes to yeah. be a disciple of Jesus. That's right. Today we have Pastor Benny talking about what is prayer and it is so important that as disciples of Jesus we need to be connected to him through prayer. So let's take out our notebooks and dive right into the message. What is a disciple? Discipleship is a call to be and a call to do. A disciple is a follower of the King of Kings, Jesus. Our goal is to be more like Jesus and to live out God's purposes for humanity. And we do this through All right, well, good morning again, everybody. Whether you're here in the room or watching us online on Facebook or YouTube or our podcast, so glad that you're with us at Calvary, where it's our mission to love God, love people, and change the world. Uh, since you brought your Bibles, you can turn to Mark chapter 9. We're going to be there in just a few moments. Mark chapter 9. Uh, last week, we began a new series on what it looks like to be a follower, a disciple of Jesus Christ. We talked about how in Matthew 28, Jesus told his disciples, it was his final command. He said, go into all the world and make disciples. He didn't stop at just, hey, find lost people, uh, get people converted to Christianity. It wasn't just that, although that's part of it, but it was go and make disciples. And for our series over the next few weeks, this is our working definition of what a disciple is. A disciple is someone who is following Jesus, being changed by Jesus, and committed to the mission of Jesus, which is making disciples. And this right here, what we just read, this is really what our life should be about. Can I just tell you, I know that uh, many of you have part-time jobs, full-time jobs, lots of responsibilities at work, at home, you're a full-time student, whatever it might be. Some of you, you have multiple jobs and multiple kids and lots and lots of responsibilities. But the end of the day, at the end of it all, this really is our full-time calling. This is our full-time job, being a follower, a disciple of Jesus Christ. So are we following Jesus or are we following someone else or something else? And if you're new here, welcome. We're very glad you found us, very glad that you came to, to find us and worship with us. But you should know that we believe that living for Jesus is more than something that we check off the box on a Sunday morning. Living for Jesus happens on Monday, Tuesday, and, and the rest of the week as well. And living for Jesus is who we are. And since he's called us to be disciples of Jesus, we really need to, to clarify, we need clarity on what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. So what are the aspects? What are the characteristics? What are all the dimensions of what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus? And let's find out what those are. Let's identify what they are. And then let's take our next step in each of those areas. And last week, we talked about worship. Every single one of us has a next step on worship. In fact, I noticed last week some of you didn't lift your hands, but earlier today you did this. That's a great next step. 
Good job. I'm so proud of you. Uh, but last week we talked about worship and, and we said that worship is this, uh, giving ultimate value to God in a way that engages our entire being, which includes our mind, our will, and our emotions. And then we gave you some next steps on what that looks like. Well, today we're going to be talking about prayer. Today our topic is prayer, the priority of prayer. Because someone who is actively following Jesus, who wants to be more like him, is a person who values prayer. Someone who puts God first in their lives, in their prayer life, and uh, makes prayer a priority in every part of their life. In fact, if we ever get to the point where we think we don't need prayer, then we've drifted to the point where we think we don't need God. If we recognize our dependency on God, then we ought to recognize our dependency on prayer. Because disconnecting from prayer means I'm disconnecting from God. And if I'm disconnecting from God, then it means I've become dependent on me. And Lord knows I don't have enough power, I don't have enough authority, I don't have enough of whatever it is to live an overcoming life in Jesus Christ. In John chapter 15, Jesus tells his disciples during the Last Supper, he says, you need to abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus said that he's the source. I'm not the source, you're not the source, we're not the source. If we want to be living lives that are bearing and producing good fruit, it means that we connect to God, we abide in Jesus. In fact, it's actually arrogant and prideful to approach the Lord and say, hey, I got this. I'm good to go. I don't think I need to pray today, God. Thanks for checking in, but I'm good. It is arrogant to do that. It's arrogant to say that I could even go a single day without connecting to God in prayer and seeking him first. Prayer is what connects us to God and to his will and to his plan for our lives. That's why often we, we say that prayer is our first response, not our last resort. Corey Ten Boom asked the question, is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? That's a great question right there. That's some good insight. Is prayer your steering wheel or is it your spare tire? Is prayer something that guides your life or is prayer something that you go to last? after you've exhausted all other options and all of your efforts. This year, I want to be plugged into God more than ever before. I want that for you too. 
I want that for your loved ones and your family. I want that for our church, that our dialogue with God becomes second nature and just it's ongoing because we believe that God has more in 24 and he wants to use us to make a greater impact for the kingdom of God and and to our world that's around us because there are a lot of people that need to be reached. There are a lot of people who need hope, who need restoration. There are people who are far from God that need to come home. There are miracles and healings and breakthrough and supernatural things that God is just waiting to release among his people. Can I tell you that the incredible growth that we've seen recently, I believe, it's just the beginning. I believe God wants to do more. God wants to bless us. God wants to do greater things. He wants to take us to new heights. He wants to take us to new levels. He's a God that takes us from glory to glory to glory and on and on. But it's not going to happen accidentally. In fact, the issue isn't his capability. It's our availability. If we are to experience more, more miracles, more freedom, more breakthrough, whatever it is, then we have to position ourselves in a way to receive that more. How do we do that? Through prayer, by abiding in him. That's how we become full of the power and the presence of the Spirit of God. We come near to his heart every day, every day. Living for him just one day of the week does not make for a power-packed, spirit-filled disciple. It's coming to him every single day. And nothing else or no one else can substitute for time spent with him in prayer. Not yesterday's prayer. Not last week's breakthrough. Not mom and dad's relationship with God not scrolling through the internet trying to find the next inspirational thing, not coming and getting one sermon on a Sunday a couple of times a month. It's daily connecting with Jesus and abiding in him. If we'll do that, then we position ourselves for the miraculous. And see, many of us, I know this to be true, many of us are believing God for breakthrough. I don't know what it looks like for every single one of you in this room. For some of you, it's a loved one. It's a mom, a dad, a son, a daughter who is far from God. You need breakthrough in that area. For some of you, you need financial breakthrough. You need divine intervention or you're sunk. For some of us, it's a physical thing. You know, you've been diagnosed with a disease or an illness, a sickness. Maybe not you, but maybe a loved one. We all have needs. We all are looking for God to do the supernatural in our lives. And whatever you're facing, now's not the time to retreat. Now's the time to abide. Make a move toward Jesus Christ. Now, there's a story in Mark chapter 9 that we want to look at today. Jesus had just been on the Mount of Transfiguration with three of his disciples, Peter, James, and John. And they were hanging out with Elijah and Moses. It was this really cool moment. Meanwhile, what was happening at the bottom of the hill, the other disciples, they're engaged in a debate with some religious people. And they're arguing and fighting about some stuff. They were arguing about the disciples' power and authority because these disciples had not been able to cast out a demon that was in a boy. 
So we pick up the story, Mark chapter 9, beginning with verse 14. And when Jesus came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them and scribes disputing with them. Immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him, greeted him. And he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them? Then one of the crowd answered and said, teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. He's, he's demonized. And wherever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out. But they could not. Jesus answered him and said, O faithless generation, How long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Then they brought him to Jesus. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him. Isn't that interesting? Immediately when darkness comes to face with the light of Jesus, they they have to acknowledge Jesus, don't they? The spirit convulsed him and fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. I think this is a moment of vulnerability for this father. It says he cried out to the Lord. This is a desperate man. These demons are literally trying to destroy his son. He calls out to the Lord, I I do believe, but I've got some vulnerability here. I've got got to recognize that there is a part of me that is struggling here and there. Would you help my unbelief, God? When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, Because it has to respond to Jesus. Convulsed him greatly and came out of him. And became as one that was dead. So that many said of the boy, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose. And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, Hey Jesus, why could we not cast it out? So he said to them, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Now, when, I don't know when you read the scripture. Sometimes when I read the scripture, I like to place myself in the story. And in this story, clearly, I'm not Jesus, all right? Neither are you, all right? You're anybody else but Jesus in these stories, okay? But when I place myself into the story, and I think if I was one of the disciples and I was walking in their shoes, I probably would have been a little embarrassed at that moment. Because here I am, I'm supposed to be representing Jesus and walking in power and authority, and I'm unable to cast out this demon. 
So they're probably both a little curious and embarrassed that they weren't able to help out this man and his son. So they come to Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, what gives? I thought we were good. I thought you gave us the power and the authority to do the miraculous, including casting out demons. What happened here, Jesus? And so Jesus, he responds by telling them, hey, guys, this kind this level is another level. These are de- You've dealt with some demons before, but these demons are on another level. These demons have a little more power that we're dealing with here. Therefore, it's going to require a little more focused and intentional prayer for this boy to get his freedom. On their own, they didn't have enough power. They didn't have enough power or formulas to stand a chance against the powers of darkness. And I can say this, it's the same for you and me. Without the spirit of God, we are powerless to take on the enemy. We will not experience the miraculous and the supernatural. It takes the supernatural power of the spirit of God in us for us to defeat evil. Some things require a greater dependence on divine intervention. Some things require a fresh and a vibrant relationship and walk with God today. In fact, past victories do not guarantee a win today. Now, it is a good indicator that victory is available for us, but it's not a sure thing. Because today, I need to connect with God in a new and fresh way. Today, I need to increase my connection with the Lord and my faith in him. There have been plenty of times when I needed the Lord to work on my behalf, to work on the behalf of one of my family members, to work on behalf of something that we are praying and agreeing about as a church. I needed God to come through, but candidly, I didn't put in the work and the effort at coming before the Lord on a regular basis. I got lazy and complacent in my prayer life. I'm probably the only one, I get it, you're super Christians. (laughs) Maybe you can't relate, but, but at times that happens where I get lazy. Some people, they just figure that, God's going to do what God's going to do. So why do I need to even bother praying? If he's already predetermined and predecided what everything is going to do and how everything's going to turn out, why bother praying? Let me say that's one of the issues uh, with the doctrine of predestination. That's where that doctrine gets a little convoluted. And so, well, if God's already predetermined everything, then I guess I don't really need to work on this relationship with the Lord. I guess I don't need to pray. But that's not what the word says at all. Clearly, the word of God endorses prayer, and clearly, God responds to our prayer. That's why Jesus himself taught us to pray in Matthew chapter 6. And he taught us to pray that the, the, the power and the priorities and the things of heaven would come to be released right here on the earth today. So we need a vibrant and active relationship with God, or we become weak, impotent, powerless and susceptible to Satan and the powers and principalities of darkness and evil. Did you know that there are people who say the right thing, they 
talk the talk, but they have zero power. They are not walking in the power of God in their lives. They go to church. They attend Sunday meetings, but it stops there. After Sunday, they take God and they put him on the shelf Monday through Saturday. Paul wrote to Timothy about such people in 2 Timothy chapter 3. And verse 5, he said, they will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. And then he says, just so you know, Timothy, stay away from people like that. Because these people aren't true followers of Jesus. They're pretenders. They're not all in for Jesus. They like the idea of God, but they don't have the power because they really don't want him active in their lives. That means they had to surrender control. So they might have a form of godliness. They look religious, but they are walking with no power from God. And so as we go back to that story from Mark chapter 9, I wonder if we place ourselves in that story like the disciples. We were in that situation, met with a desperate father who had a demoniac uh, son. Would we have had the power and authority to cast that demon out? That challenges me today. Are we so full of the Spirit of God that demons flee and miracles take place just when we show up. <laughs> what would it look like for us to live a life so full of God, so full of the power and the presence of the Spirit that we become a magnet for miracles? Wouldn't that be amazing? A, a life where God just can't help himself. He has to respond by releasing the miraculous through his people. For these disciples, fast forward now to Acts chapter 5. Jesus is now no longer with them physically. He's ascended back to heaven. He's left them the Holy Spirit. They've been baptized in the Spirit. They've spent intentional time with him. In fact, they were 10 days seeking the Lord in the upper room. And now they find themselves not powerless. They were prayed up and walking in the fullness and in the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 14 from Acts chapter 5, yet more and more people believed and were brought to the Lord, crowds of both men and women. As a result of the apostles' work, what happened? Sick people were brought out into the streets on beds and mats so that Peter's shadow might fall across some of them as he went by. Crowds came from the villages around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those possessed by evil spirits, and they were all healed. Now, how cool would it be to have crowds like this, crowds of sick and bound and demon-possessed come to Calvary, and we see that all of them become free. All of them get healed. Can you imagine what that would look like to be a magnet for miracles on that kind of level? I love this for the disciples. They moved from being weak and impotent in the book of Mark to now being full of the power of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter five. Now they are, they're strong, they're powerful because they had been with God and they had tapped into the power of the Holy Spirit. They devoted their lives to prayer and abiding with Jesus and connecting to him. And as a result, miracles couldn't help but happen when they were around. 
Jesus, like he did with the disciples, has given us all the resources that we need to experience the supernatural and to see mighty works. But like he told the disciples, some kinds are going to take prayer and fasting. We should always be people of prayer. I hope that you have ongoing dialogue with the Lord, that you connect with him even in those transitional moments as you're going from class to class or or going from meeting to meeting or in your car. Let's always be communicating with God. But there are some seasons when we need to add fasting to the picture. And if we'll do that, it has the potential to invite the extraordinary into our lives. And so that's why every year, at least once a year, we as a church set aside three weeks, 21 days, where we intentionally go deeper in the things of the Lord. Today is day eight of prayer and fasting for our church. And if you haven't yet gotten in, it's not too late. We would encourage you to do that. We would encourage you to to practice that spiritual discipline in your life. And I want to give us three reasons real quickly why adding fasting to prayer is important for us. You might want to write these down. Number one, why fast? Well, because Jesus fasted. Did you know that as Jesus was beginning his ministry, he was about 30 years old. His cousin, John the Baptist, baptized him in the Jordan River. And right after that baptism, the spirit led him to the wilderness where he would fast, not for seven days, not for 14 or 21 days, for 40 days. For 40 days, our savior, Jesus, went without food. And then the scripture tells us at the end of the 40 days that that Satan, the tempter, came to him. And of course, we know how that story ended. He overcame the devil. But the point is, if Jesus saw the need to fast, how much more do you and I need to fast from time to time? Remember in Matthew 6, Jesus is teaching his followers how to pray. And he gives them the template, the Lord's Prayer. And then after that prayer, in verse 16, Jesus goes on and he says, and when you fast. He didn't say, if you fast. He didn't say, hey, maybe you'd like to consider fasting. He said, when you fast. What's he telling us there? He's telling us that fasting should be a regular part of a disciple of Jesus Christ. It's just assumed that we should fast from time to time. Why fast? Because Jesus fasted. Number two, why fast? Fasting disconnects us from the world. There are things that we have unhealthy attachments to. And fasting helps us disconnect from those things. So we give up a physical craving so that we can fulfill a greater spiritual need. We starve our stomach so that we can feed our spirit. And listen, it's not just food. There's some other things in our lives that distract us from time with the Lord as well. There are other things that keep us from really connecting and abiding with him. And we would be good to identify what those things are, call it out, and then adjust accordingly. 
See, sometimes we just might want to sweep it under the rug or ignore it, pretend like it's not really there. But a true follower of Jesus, they will be real. They'll get real with themselves, get real with the Lord and say, Lord, I've been really struggling in this area. I think this has been preventing me from experiencing the supernatural that you want to work through me. And so fasting helps disconnect us from those things. Because people can rely on all this other stuff from the world, all this temporary things. We can even begin to rely on the feelings and the affirmations that we get from our boyfriend or our girlfriend. And life just falls apart if I don't get what I need from my boo. Or maybe it's not a boyfriend or girlfriend. Maybe, maybe it's uh, feeding the, the cravings uh, from food or time on social media or TV or this or that. And, and we become addicted to all of these things. Again, we can even become addicted to certain emotions. We become addicted to certain feelings. And, and it causes us to neglect our greater need, our greater spiritual need, connection with Jesus Christ. And so fasting helps us to intentionally starve those things. We say no to those things so that we can say a greater yes to Jesus and we can better hear from the Lord. Fasting disconnects us from the world. And thirdly, fasting reconnects us to God. The more time spent with God, the greater your faith in him will grow. Now, think about it. Think about the, the time that you spend with someone or something. The more time you spend with that thing or that person, the more your faith and confidence grows in that thing or person. The more time I connect with God, the greater my faith and connection in God grows. So fasting and prayer accompanied with faith unleashes God's power in our lives. So fasting disconnects us from the world we rely on. Prayer reconnects us with God whom we should rely on. So fasting combined with prayer realigns ourselves and starves out those things that would pollute us. It's like a spiritual cleanse, a spiritual detox, uh, hitting the spiritual reset button. And this is the best way to begin the new year, giving God the very first part of the new year, consecrating ourselves for him. This is what it looks like to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Now, I admit, when I don't pray like I should, I can get down on myself, and I can even feel guilty. Now, I grew up in this. Some of you, you are new to faith in Jesus. Some of you, maybe you grew up like me and you grew up uh, even singing that song in Sunday school. If you read your Bible, pray every day, then you'll grow, grow, grow. Right, and I was taught that, that, that. We were taught that on a very regular basis. Hey, young Benny, make sure every day you read your Bible and you pray. Now, sometimes, whether intentional or not, there would be guilt attached to that teaching. Say, hey, I've been noticing, Benny. Your prayer life hadn't been what it should be. And so they'll attach guilt to it. 
And here's my hope, is that we are not motivated to connect with God because of guilt. Guilt from me, guilt from somebody else, guilt from your Sunday school teacher or your mom or your dad or your son or your daughter, because guilt has the potential to reduce our prayer to a chore or a checklist. And when prayer becomes a have to, we become weary, we become powerless, and sometimes we can get disengaged altogether and we're just going through motions. So I don't want to guilt you into this. You should not be guilted into praying more. We don't want to do this out of obligation, although there is some obligation, I get it. Our real motivation, however, should be relationship with Jesus, taking our next step. Motivation by guilt leads to discouragement. And someone that is discouraged, your prayers won't be focused, they won't be powerful, but you'll find yourself weak and impotent. Our motivation should be relationship, not just obligation. So I wanna come before the Lord saying, hey, God, I just want all that you have. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it looks like. I don't want to limit you. I just want all that you have. Therefore, I'm positioning myself by starving out all of these things of the world so that I can better receive from you, so that I can better hear from you instead of hearing these other things from the world. And so for all of us in this room or watching online or listening later on our podcast, what is your next step? I wanna help us on our next steps. Here's the first one. I would just encourage all of you, if you don't yet, get a Bible reading program, a Bible reading plan. Now, we've got the soap readings. We go as a church through two chapters of the Bible every day on your way out at all the exits. You can grab your, your guides, your soaps, whatever it is. You need a Bible reading plan. Now, we're gonna talk more about the word of God in this series later on, but getting into the word helps us know God better. And when we know God better, we know how better to pray. So get a Bible reading plan in your, in your life. Uh, you, can, you can even get one online. You can download the YouVersion app, all right? There's lots of great devotionals and Bible reading plans on your phone. So I'd encourage you to do that. Maybe your next step is getting a, a prayer guide. Okay, we've got these prayer guides for you. Uh, my wife just told you about these a few minutes ago. They're in some incredible resources. It will guide you through how to pray, through, uh, through praying through the, the, the tabernacle prayers, the, the Lord's Prayer, all of that. I, and I would encourage you along with that to get a meeting time and a meeting place. Some of you, you're like me. You do better uh, keeping your schedule when it's on the calendar. So it's okay to just say, you know, 6.30 a.m., time with the Lord. 15 minutes. I'm going to begin my day spending time with the Lord. We know in the Ferguson household where mom's place and where and when her time is going to be. We know exactly what she's doing down there in that chair. She's reading the word of God. She's building her spirit. She's communicating with the Lord. She's getting communication from the spirit of God as well. In fact, God has spoke to her in some of those moments in those meetings that, she, that God has used her to speak to your life that she got just from her regular meeting place in time with the Lord. 
There is a chair in the corner of my bedroom that is just devoted to this kind of thing in my life. You need a meeting time and a meeting place. I've also found that if it's on the calendar, if I know, okay, I'm walking into a meeting, there's some expectation attached with it too. So when you walk in knowing you're about to meet with God, I believe that your ears and your spirit are gonna be more open to receive what he has for you. Pick up, pick up a bracelet, all right? Pick up one of these pray first bracelets uh, because prayer is our first response, not our last resort. Uh, here's something else that just came across our desk this past week. There's a 24-hour prayer meeting that's happening across the nation that you can sign up to be a part of. Um, I think it's called like 24-7 Prayer USA. And uh, this organization's goal is that every minute of every hour of every day of every year, 365 days, that someone somewhere in the United States are praying. Well, next week, beginning Monday, January 22nd, it's Frederick Maryland's turn to be on that prayer list. And so if you want to email the office, info at calvarymd.com, we can send you a link and you can sign up for a prayer slot to be in prayer somewhere around the, the world. Now, number three, decide what you're going to fast. Decide what you're going to fast. Remember, Jesus said, when you fast, not if. And the biblical definition of fasting does include food, okay? So unless you have some sort of major medical reason why you can't, you need to starve yourself of something. It may be, maybe it's like a Daniel fast where you deprive yourself of meats and sweets and carbs and things like that. Maybe for you, uh, you just uh, fast from sunup till sundown. You don't eat during the day at all. Maybe you have to get up really early and get a bowl of oatmeal or whatever it might be. For some of you, maybe what you're gonna do is you're just gonna eat one meal per day and you're gonna fast the other two meals so that you can set aside extra time spent with the Lord. We want to deny the cravings of the flesh. For some of you, not only do you want to fast some food, but you need to fast some other things. There may be even some relationships that you need to fast. There's some TV programs that you need to fast. You just need to turn Netflix off for 21 days. You need to say peace out to social media for the next three weeks because it's not feeding your soul. Man, I tell you, one of the things I love and hate about these phones are that it tells you your screen time. And every time I see that, I'm like, oh, dear Lord, Jesus, what I, was I, I was on the, the, the phone that long. It must have been because of the Bible app. That, that's the only explanation. But we need to, we need to, to, to determine, figure out what we're going to fast and stick to it. Commit it to the Lord. In fact, in just a few moments, I'm gonna ask you to commit this to the Lord and stick to it because we believe in this so much. It has the power to unlock the supernatural, the extraordinary in our lives. When we fast, not if. So what's your next step? We've given you some here today, but every single one of us, we're not gonna become all that God wants us to become in one huge step. We can't do that. We can't take a 200 foot step, but I can take a, a one foot step today and then a step tomorrow and the next day. So every single one of us, we have a next step. So I want you to determine in your heart, ask the Spirit of God what he's speaking to you, what's your next step? Now, for the rest of us, I thought it would be really cool, well, for all of us, 
I thought it'd be really cool to end this sermon together by out loud declaring and proclaiming the Lord's Prayer. We talked about the template that Jesus gave to us in Matthew chapter six. So let's do this. Everybody out loud, it'll be on the screens. You at home, you can, you can read it out loud with us too. All together, here we go. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Yeah, amen. Let's give God praise. Amen. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes as we respond to the word today. That was such a wonderful message. It really spoke to me to see that the moment that we think we don't need prayer is the moment where we think we don't need God. That's right. Prayer and fasting are such amazing tools that help us connect with God and disconnect yeah. from the world. And so that's why we loved 21 days of prayer and fasting so much. Definitely. Uh, well, we want to connect with you. Make sure you check us out at calvarymd.com forward slash connect so that we can connect with you. And we'll see you back next week with week three of our seven dimensions of discipleship series. Can't wait to see you again. We'll see you.